Hello, and welcome to episode 172 of the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. And I'm Laura Camacho, and this is where we have conversations about conversations about how to speak up better, how to get recognized for the contribution that you're already making at your company, and how to have more visibility have a bigger network, more influence, all of those good things. And today's special guest is Dr. Mindy Weinstein, who is an author of a book about scarcity. And that's, I thought that was such an interesting approach to marketing. She's a marketing person. She has a mark her own marketing firm. And what those of you who are listening, I know you don't have your own marketing agency and you may not even work in marketing, but what we're going to learn from her is about marketing ourselves and see if we can get some really high level powerful tips on using what she calls I forgot what she calls it actually but something about using scarcity to create more interest in your idea your solution yourself as the perfect candidate for that role so we're going to welcome Mindy Weinstein and she is tuning in from Arizona. And before we jump in, I want to remind you this episode is brought to you by the Practical Guide to Effective Communication, a tome that is basically 10 mini books on communication in one. There's a chapter on presentations, uh, one on difficult conversations, one on communication style. There's an assessment. You can find out what is your style. Is all about how to think about communication and, and the way you speak and listen and interact with people in a different way. You don't have to change your personality. You just want to speak up and, and be more effective. So now, without further ado, I'm Laura Camacho, and now we're going to talk to Mindy. So Mindy, I would like for you to start off by telling us how the heck did you get to be writing and I understand probably marketing that interested you, but how did you get from marketing to the power of scarcity marketing? Tell us a little bit about that journey. I love that question because that is something that from the outside, it doesn't look like there's a connection even because my background, I am a marketer. I've been a marketer for decades. I studied that in undergrad and then, you know, I was a practitioner for years, but years ago, I also got into the academic world. And so I've been teaching as a professor for quite a while as I was working on my PhD and my dissertation specifically, that's where things started to change a little bit because I knew as a marketer, I mean, so much is psychology and we're trying to understand what's driving our customers or our clients. So when I was thinking of my dissertation topic, I thought I want to really study something that has to do with persuasion. You know, what are those factors? And as I started digging in, I realized that out of all the factors that influence us as humans, scarcity is the most powerful. And I really felt like my eyes were open and I thought, wow, there's so much research and knowledge and it's just not out there in the business world. So I ended up doing my own study, my own research. And then I had this topic. I had already defended my dissertation. I was done with my PhD and then the pandemic hit. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm watching my everything just play out. And so that's what put me on that path. But really, to me, scarcity is influence and influence is part of marketing. So that's where that connection came in. 
Oh, I love that because we're all about influence. And, mm -hmm. you know, as I mentioned to Mindy, just before we started our recording, you know, a lot of us, not to say 99.99% are introverts are on the introvert side. And so is Dr. Mindy. So yes. <laughs> She understands us <laughs> and she's going to tell us how to use this thing to our advantage so we don't have to become chatterboxes to be to be heard. So how do you define scarcity, Marky? It just sounds like a contradiction of terms in a way, <laughs> but then, you know, they're maybe we do like things that are scarce. So Right. So, well, first I'll just tell you my point of view for scarcity, because I mean, there's obviously the economic definition, but scarcity is just unavailability of some type, or it could be a restriction of some type. It can come in the form of a supply shortage or restriction. So there's supply related scarcity, there's time related scarcity, and those are like our sales, our coupons, things like that. Then there is demand related scarcity. So when things are running out because everyone wants them, that's definitely demand related. Then there's limited edition, which is actually part of supply related scarcity, but that's where something is just a little bit of a twist on the original. But it's amazing because even though we hear scarcity, one of the things that I hear a lot when I say scarcity marketing is, oh, are you just talking about when I get those emails that I better buy now, you know, or I'm going to miss out forever. Right. Okay. Totally extreme the way I said it, but, and it's really, it's more than that. And that's what I think, like I said, what opened my eyes is realizing that there's a lot more to it. There's layers to scarcity mm -hmm. and it's complex and it doesn't work all the time. And it depends on who your, your customer is and what the product is um, to determine, is it going to work and what type of scarcity should I use? Right. Well, we want to learn the scarcity <laughs> that makes us, uh, our expertise seem yes. more valuable, <laughs> but um, tell, tell us, I know that there's a, a definite effect on our brains uh, I, I guess it goes back to the way we're wired about for survival mm -hmm. or something. What is just spell that out for us? Yes, absolutely. So we, when you think about our early ancestors, they were trying to survive in a condition where things were scarce. Food was scarce. Water was scarce. Shelter was scarce. Then you look at the different empires and governments that have ruled throughout history. They had control of supplies. And so we're hardwired to want to overcome scarcity. Now, even today, you know, something that's a drop and there's only so many products going to you know, be released, we still have the same physiological reaction because our brain still looks at that as this is scarce there's a sense of urgency. So you tend to go into a hyper-focus mode with your brain of just like, okay, I need to get this. And so it does create that sense of urgency, but it does a few more things. And this has been something that's been proven and researched. And so the other things that happen is a lot of times, if we're not really sure what to choose, let's say, and we're looking at different products and something we're not familiar with, well, we're likely going to pick the one that's either lower in stock, meaning it's running out, it's popular, or it's even deemed as bestseller because our brain, our brains are tired. They want mental shortcuts. So it also helps right. with that. And then the couple, the two other things that occur is really our brain also values what is scarce 
even more than something that's non-scarce. And that's been something that's been seen in brain scans. And so researchers have hooked up participants in MRIs and created a scarcity condition. And it's where like one of the ones, you know, it included an auction simulation. And so as soon as something was scarce, you could see in the brain that the value, the area of the brain where value process occurs, that's what was lighting up. So we tend to value what is scarce even more, but you think about that, you see that there's a whole secondary market for all these different products that run out of stock. And then the final thing that happens to us, and I think this is the one we probably are all the most familiar with is the fear of missing out. We feel oh, like if, yeah, you know, FOMO. right. FOMO, if we don't, you know, either hire this person who seems like they don't have a lot of time or we don't buy this product, we might miss our opportunity. And so that's a huge, huge motivation too. That is so interesting. And of course, as you were describing that, I was thinking of how many times we see on the, in the uh, internet shopping world, you know, only two products left or <laughs> it's about to go out of stock. But I was also thinking this, Mindy, because I coach a lot of women mm -hmm. and they're the only woman in their team and their work, you know, for example, I have a client who's a civil engineer uh, working in, in, the, in a, the intersection of construction and technology. And I always, but I, there's others too. That's just one that comes to mind. And I always tell them that's an asset, it is not a liability. So, but I hadn't thought, but I thought, well, because you stand out and mm -hmm. you know, you're, you have visibility, without even trying because you're the only woman in the room. Right. How, how would you, how would you apply that scarcity, the psychology of scarcity to that specific uh, context? So I do see scarcity a lot in the workplace, you know, as we move up in positions and as you mentioned, just standing out. So I think, yes, there's that level of you are already unique. And so that's one of the draws actually to some scarce products, but now we're talking about person is that right. desire to be unique. And so it does help you stand out, but there is, and this aligns with what you're asking really is the whole mentality, and I'm sure you've heard the plain hard to get, but we always think about that in terms of dating relationships, but that actually does happen in the business place or it can, and it can to your advantage. And especially as I said, I'm a self-proclaimed introvert. And so some of this has come natural. I didn't even realize I was before doing all this today that I was using scarcity myself. It's just, just kind of how I was coping with things. So when I say plan a hard to get, I'm not saying that like in that situation, she'd be like, well, I can't help you or I'm, my time's just too valuable. That's not what I'm talking about, but what it is, it's truly valuing who you are and what you have to offer. So you are selective on companies that you might work with. Um, you'll take your time to accept job offers because you know what, you are valuable too. And so those couple of things just alone, or even saying like, if you were going to get a, something new pops up and just saying, well, let me think about it. Can I feel like that's very natural for some of us? We're already oh, absolutely, <laughs> we are because we we want to process. A lot of us yes. we need time to process, and and in and in a meeting, you know, in a garden variety meeting and a garden variety mm -hmm. company that be you know deer in the headlights <laughs> does not feel like an asset, right? But but maybe we if we say you know this is a issue that's worthy of some thought, I'll get back to you. And maybe right. I never thought of it as being possibly 
I'm so scarce. My expertise, you just have to wait <laughs> a little bit for it. Right. For You're going to have to wait, but it's still the same mentality of you are, you know, I mean, just even seeing to think about it, it's any of those scenarios, again, it comes naturally for some of us, but it is keeping those other people in a situation now where they're like, okay, so the information is unavailable right now, or I don't know what their decision is going to be, or, or, you know, again, I could go on and on, but that comes to valuing yourself and your knowledge. And that, as I was talking about scarcity, our brains, we value things that are scarce. And so even just valuing yourself and being genuine, and a lot of that will just come naturally. And some of the things that the positive consequences of scarcity, you definitely be able to reap. I love that. And so I think I'm turning my attention to everyone <laughs> listening because uh, we talk about this a lot that you have to value your ideas and your skills and what you before other people will. And, and, and I know as introverts, sometimes we get frustrated that other people are just talking their heads off. But if you play it right, if you get the, you know, like some things are worth waiting for mm -hmm. and you don't have to be all things to all people all the time, you know, that's, that's be, be scarce. Yeah. It, it enhances your value, but you have to see it first. I love that. So what about it? Like in leading a team, is there any application of the scarcity marketing to how you relate to the people that you're leading? Well, you know, it's interesting for a team environment, you know, what we're talking about is a little bit different, but one of the things that does happen as scarcity, so I define the different types, mm -hmm. but even being exclusive. So that exclusive team, you know, where your team, you do things together and your community and you're part of something that also drives us as humans because we want to feel connected and believe it or not, anything that's exclusive like that. Um, does still, it is part of scarcity because that really falls under the, believe it or not, I know when you think of a team, you're not going to think of supply related, but that's mm -hmm. technically where it falls because it's more exclusive. And so I think having that team environment and, you know, working closely together and again, going back to the valuing each other and all of that, I mean, that does fall a little bit under that. So I could see that you could have, you know, some of, again, some of that feelings of being connected. I want to work on the exclusive team for sure. <laughs> yes. I, I don't want the, yeah, anybody can work here. Right. <laughs> so, what, so if you're leading a team, and I know a lot of you listening lead team or several teams, think about that. How can you build that internal uh, value system and connection where you all identify as, uh, you know, this isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. And and that's a, a such a, so true of introversion that, you know, we're not, maybe we're not everybody's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. A dinner party with only extra introverts would probably not be <laughs> the most uh, high energy. But We'd be anyway. hoping it was going to be canceled. All of us <laughs> <Right>. would be. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my gosh. Or, or it might lead to very thoughtful conversations. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, I love that idea of and, and look and also an introvert is going to have the more capacity to mm -hmm. dig dive deep into why is this team so exclusive? Why are mm -hmm. we so good? What is the value that we add? And and I think that's another way we can, as far as marketing our solutions mm -hmm. to upstream and to other stakeholders or maybe customers. It, it's uh, thinking about how do you, how can we use scarcity 
to connect the value of what we're doing because we have created this unique value or um, mm -hmm. specialized value, but and then connecting that to how it impacts others and the and the rest of the company or whatever you're working in. What do you think? Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, you just basically took the concepts. I mean, that is how you would apply it. And so I like that idea. And then going with what you said, even about being in a situation where, you know, for those that are introverts, you know, and you use the example earlier about just even like in a meeting, because it is more thoughtful than when you do speak up. I mean, people listen, and I'm sure that a lot of the listeners have found that too, that when you do speak up, it your input might be scarce, but it's thoughtful and you got everyone's attention because automatically they're going to want to know what you have to say. And they're going to value again, uh, what you're contributing to the conversation. Yes. So it's not quantity so much <laughs> as quality. So how, okay. So let's flip the switch and let's go to consumer <laughs> behavior. Cause we're about to get into the shopping yes. season and, um, so how can we know for sure if something is really scarce or they're just saying that it is if we're shopping? Right. And that's actually something that I do warn against for companies is that like you don't want to use artificial scarcity. So that's where you are just making things up, saying that there's only five left when you have a warehouse full and you keep right. restocking it, things like that. And so really like from that perspective, you know, you have to be so careful, but from a consumer perspective, I mean, there are a few things to do and I will be the first to admit that I have been a marketer for decades. So I've been a practitioner. I study this. So I've been studying scarcity, you know, doing research, all that for years. I've written this book and I still fall for scarcity. <laughs> and I feel like that even just shows how powerful it really is because I know what's happening and I'll still say, I'm going to do it anyway. That's <laughs> I know <what's> right. <laughs> because if you're choosing like between two pairs of shoes and one says one pair left, you're yes. like, oh my God. <laughs> because I'll, maybe that scarcity uh, validates our a choice. Like, oh, since, since we, if other people have chosen that pair of shoes, then it must be good. You, I, that's exactly what I have in my book. I even have an equation. That's pretty much what you said. So a lot of times our brain does that. So again, that's a mental shortcut that we take. And we've seen this through research. Mm -hmm. So this is proven through research is that when, yeah, we are given more two options. We're going to pick the one that is scarce because we're going to look at that and say, well, that many people could not be wrong. They couldn't possibly be wrong because that wouldn't make sense. And so we automatically make that decision. Uh, but one of the other things, and this was something also seen in brain scans is that when we are faced with options and something is scarce, even if it's a sale, what we do is we skip the normal process that we go through in making decisions. And it's just boom to the actual decision. And our brain will actually start to ignore other information that would normally be considered because now we're just like, we need to need that. So I think going back to like, from your original question about, well, what can we do as consumers? I think the first thing is just recognize that that happens and it happens mm -hmm. to all of us. And so mm -hmm. we all go through that because that's how our brains are wired. And so knowing that that's the case, I have to do this for myself. So I'm totally okay. speaking also from personal experience. <laughs> you have to stop and pause and say, 
why am I doing this? Like what is driving my behavior right now? Is it truly because it's a scarce or did I really want this or need this? And if you can, you know, take 24 hours at least, which I know that's not always possible if it's a flash sale for, you know, 12 hours only, but if you can, you know, take your, take your time. And if you still feel the next day that you want that product, well, then it's more of an informed decision. Also recognizing that the FOMO is real. <laughs> so how to say that they recognizing that one of the other things that we've discovered in research is that even though we fear loss and we actually fear loss, that feeling of loss is stronger mm-hmm. than what the excitement when we gain something. Mm-hmm. And that's been something studied. And so with that, uh, we also know though, that that feeling of loss and that fear of loss, it's very short lived. And there's been studies on that. So that anticipated regret that we think we're going to feel a lot of times that'll push us to make a decision. It dissipates. And really when you stop and think about it, like if there's decisions, like a purchase you end up not making, you probably don't still regret it. You probably can't even remember one of them actually, because you just, you move on. And so knowing that that happens is really important, but then the final thing, and this is just very tactical in general is that, you know, as we get into the holiday season and the sales frenzy is if you know, there is something that you're looking to buy, you know, and maybe you're going to go do some of the holiday shopping, look at the history of the prices of that item, because even though it might be positioned as a sale mm-hmm. and a limited sale, you know, today only 20%, right. off, that might actually be closer to the original, the normal price, or it might be equivalent to sales that have been done in the past. And so just equipping yourself. And then again, knowing how your brain works, knowing that FOMO is going to go away. I mean, that's really how you armor, like that's the armor you need as a shopper. And like I said, these are things I tell myself too. Yes. It's all the only, and that's all very good. And, and I think we all try to like be informed, careful mm-hmm. consumers, but then <sighs> what say that we exercise rationality and we don't buy those shoes, even though there's only one pair left. <laughs> And they're about to disappear forever, ever. And then the next day, wherever we go, you know, the shoes follow us on the uh, internet. (laughs) So it kind of uh, dissipates the uh, power of scarcity when it, you know, follows you. So maybe it really wasn't on sale or wasn't (laughs) such a big deal. But I'm thinking of another aspect of scarcity in context of, you know, the timing of your book with all the supply chain, real shortages that we have um, is quite remarkable. We also have scarcity of attention. Mm -hmm. So how does, do you have an angle or a story on scarcity of attention in the marketing or is that just use the power of scarcity because attention spans are scarce? Like what is your take? Yeah. I mean, and that's actually, it's more, of the latter of what you said, because as I mentioned, we know that our brain, our brains are bombarded with information. And especially in today's day and age, you know, we're presented with so much and we're constantly having to process data and information coming our way that when we are in a situation where we our brain, again, a lot of this is subconscious. Like you can't think about it or recognize it, but you're probably not. You're just going about your day is that our brain, when they see something that's like, oh, okay, well, this is running out or there's one left. It's just that quick decision. And it's a way of actually coping uh, with all the information that 
we're presented with. So it does go along with the tension, but in the other way, right. where it could actually cause you to then make those decisions even faster because we're also busy. And, and like Overloaded. you even said about ads following you, you see it everywhere. And so it just, after a while, you just, it, it it's easy to just succumb to it. Yes. I think everybody's overwhelmed and overworked mm-hmm. and overzoomed. And so it does become, <laughs> you know, it's like a story that you tell yourself to, to, to make it easier to make the decision. So are, are there any misconceptions about scarcity that you would, that you can clarify for us so we get the yeah. inside scoop? I can give you the inside scoop. Cause it's actually something that I discovered, you know, with my research. And so I, you know, already had all this academic research, you know, ready to go. And then as I was working on uh, my book, I was started to interview more executives and I interviewed the former VP of global marketing for McDonald's, which he was at the company wow. for 40 years. Um, wow. I interviewed Kevin Harrington. Um, I interviewed the founder of 1-800-Flowers and they now own Harry and David. And then I had some other really great interviews. And what was surprising to me is as much as I thought I knew about some of the outcomes of scarcity, like what it results in, when I interviewed them, it blew me away because I realized there were other themes. You know, up to that point, I was like, okay, scarcity has this impact, this impact, and this impact. But when I was talking to them, for example, like McDonald's, mm-hmm. they actually, we know they use scarcity. I mean, the McRib sandwich, right, you know, right. think about that, or the adult Happy Meal that was out not long ago that sold out right away. Um, there, I could go on and on, but they use it actually for fun and excitement. That's what they talk about. They want it to be fun for their customers. So the McRib comes and goes and, you know, you never know when it's going to pop up and it's designed to have that excitement factor, which is also something as humans, we do desire love, that love, <laughs> excitement, yes. you know, and then hearing them talk about that, it was really interesting because here scarcity can cause fun and excitement. Mm-hmm. And so even thinking from a business perspective, how can you do that? You know, right. maybe, maybe it's a matter of you do have products that are limited edition or you have special events and, and things for special customers, but then, and just moving forward, then when I talked to, uh, the founder of 1-800-Flowers, he talked about Harry and David and how they have all these now, they call them sub-communities of customers mm-hmm. and customers mm-hmm. can join it. So they'll send out an email blast and do you want to be part of this group? And they'll very small number of people, I believe it's like 20 to 30. And that group will share like a common interest in something, you know, food product wise. Mm-hmm. They want things that are special and they form a community really. Oh, wow. And so they get a certain, like when a product comes out and the example um, that I was given, was a butter, you know, it was gourmet butter. That was, you know, this woman <sighs> makes, she churns and only sells it to the restaurants near her, but Harry and David was able to get a certain amount of pots of it and sent it to this certain community that was interested in that. So it became a community event. And even another person I talked to, he runs an e-bike company that you know, I mean, they're, they've grown substantially and he mm-hmm. talks about, they have wait lists because, you know, it takes them like, as they were especially building as a company, trying to keep up with the demand they had, but those people who are on wait lists, they actually ended up making their own Facebook groups, started talking about how they're going to use the bike, then brought in people that already had their bike. So it's like, here you have communities. So scarcity can bring in excitement and fun community. And it also can build relationships, you know, from what I've seen. And so that's the part. And I, that's not talked about in, you know, absolutely. again, not. when we think scarcity, how I started out with the, the, the reaction I get from people. And I say, it's a book on scarcity again. Oh, so you just mean those. Yeah. By now. No, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see there's so much to it and it's actually something 
that you can use personally or professionally and in an ethical way and in a fun way, you know, like we've been talking about. Yes, that is so interesting, Mindy. I'm really just yeah, to think about, yeah, it does create and it does create fun. And that makes me think in our society, the you know, we're a capitalist society, mm-hmm. and I think that's good, but we all know that capitalism has downside too. And and I think you're pointing your work is pointing out that having all things available all the time to us in infinite quantities no matter how pleasurable is not the key to happiness <laughs> because we, if, if, if it were this, what you were saying, what you're saying would, would not work. Absolutely. Yes. You're so right. You're proving that, um, that material, almost that materialism doesn't make you happy because we want things that are hard to get or scarce. And, and that's something that it's like out of our control, right? Like it's yes. subconscious. It's subconscious. That's, I mean, all the things I'm talking about are subconscious. We don't, I don't know anyone yet who said, oh, I bought this product because I immediately made the decision, you know, and just kind of go, I skipped the normal process. Like we don't talk like that. Like <laughs> no, it just happens. No. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And it, I, I did study enough marketing to know that you, what is it that you make the decision on an emotional level mm-hmm. and then you rationalize the decision. Oh, so. absolutely. Absolutely. That's actually what I teach my students, you know, as we talk about it, because it's funny, you know, I have all these call, I have 180 something college students this semester and I'll ask them too. So how many of you, you know, make purchases based on emotion and they always like, no. And then the more we talk about it, they're like, yes, (laughs) exactly. I work with a lot of engineers and they're like, what? I don't have any emotions. I am a rational engineer, problem solver. So yeah. Anyway, this has been so interesting, Mindy. I appreciate your being so generous with your expertise. And we're going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to let you tell people where to find you and and where to get your book. Um, Is there anything else that you wish I had asked you? I'm going to jump into the things we want to know about Mindy, the person, but is there, before we do that, is there anything else you would like to say on the topic of scarcity to this, to this amazing, very good looking, (laughs) super smart audience? Yeah. I mean, you, I think you've asked me all like the, the amazing questions too about scarcity. You know, the only thing I would just, you know, end with too, is that, you know, how do you spot? And I think you actually started asking, you probably did ask me this and I went off on a tangent, but how do you actually overcome or spot false scarcity? Mm -hmm. Because that's something people want to know. And that's really big. And so before, if it's a company you're not really familiar with, do your homework. I mean, we all know that the online reputation is huge, you know, looking up that company and looking up reviews. And I was talking to one consumer and I ended up putting it, um, writing a little case study about it. And that's what she talked about. She talked about, you know, seeing Instagram ads and that reaction to it and, you know, spending, getting ready to spend a lot of money, then realizing this is something this company does all the time. And I've never even heard of the company, you know, but when she went and did her due diligence and did research, realized they have bad reviews, you know, and that had to do with all sorts of things. And so, you know, do get, be careful. So and that's especially if it's just a company you don't know. And if it is false scarcity again, where it says the five are left and that's not really the case, most of the time someone's already complained about that online. And so just look that up, just know your prices, what they should be. And that's really going to help you too. 
All right. That is so good. And, and audience, you good looking people, I want you to know that was an example of something that a new question that I've learned, because I try to get well in the podcast and elsewhere, instead of saying things, just ask questions, but a really good question to ask at the end of something, is there something else you'd like to add? And that was, that just shows the value of asking that question because you find, you find out a little, you get a little bonus information. <laughs> and sometimes that bonus is more interesting or relevant than the rest of the conversation. But now we're going to dive into what is Mindy really like? And that, <laughs> this uh, marketing academic book writer based in Arizona. Where did you go on your last vacation? You know, I went to Portland with my, my family. So with my two boys and my husband. Okay. Did you have a good time? Did you it like was, a- yes. So we, we live in the desert. Right. So when we see something green, all four of us are just in awe. We're like, the trees are green. <gasps> it's not 115 degrees right now. So yeah, it was amazing. We did a lot of hiking, a lot of outdoor things. Oh, that is so nice. Very nice. And what's your favorite dessert? Ooh, a strawberry shortcake. Stamped down. All right. (laughs) What is your favorite store? Ooh, at Nordstrom. Nordstrom. Nordstrom Nordstrom. is amazing. I'm with you there. (laughs) What about your favorite type of music? Okay. You know what? I don't, especially because of right now and the fact that I'm listening to this, I know I'm about to be judged. Christmas music. I already started. My kids have actually told me that when they get to be adults, they will never listen to Christmas music because mom has listened to it way too much in their lifetime. Uh, You know what? (laughs) I bet you 20 bucks that they changed their minds that when they have that when they have kids and it's Halloween, they're gonna be like, you know what? It's time for Christmas. It is. That's what I thought. As soon as November 1st, I'm like, I think it's okay. I think it's acceptable. (laughs) Well, I, I, I noticed that in a Starbucks, uh, it was Saturday. So that, well, I don't know what day, early November. And yes, they were playing Christmas. (laughs) You're not alone. What about your favorite movie genre? Ooh, comedy. Comedy. I I love a good comedy. I like to laugh. Yes, me too. And how would you describe your style, either the way you dress or the way you, um, you know, operate? Like, what would you, what word would you use? Oh, you know what? That's so. I will tell you what my students say because I, oh, okay, I, I like, I like clothes. And I actually had a student yesterday actually tell me she's like. I just never know what you're going to show up wearing. I always look forward to it. So I guess that means. I think that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, we'll say that she's very fashionable. Yeah, we'll go with, we'll go <laughs> yeah. with that. I mean, but I thought that was really funny. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, fashionable and and slash unpredictable. Unpredictable. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Keep them on their toes. Right. Uh, were you afraid of anything as a child? <laughs> yes, I was terrified of E.T. Terrified oh, of E.T. <laughs> Oh. I, I still can't watch the movie. I still can't to this day. Oh I don't know gosh. why. Okay. I don't know. I thought he was going to hide in my closet and take my toys. And I just, yeah, it, it's, I still can't to this day. I know that's, that's ridiculous. Funny. That's funny. All right. And finally, do you collect anything? I 
Yes. I actually collect Starbucks mugs from every place I visit. So you know how they have the, you were here mugs. Yes. And so I have a whole huge display of them. Um, it just is fun. Cause then when I have my coffee, it just reminds me, Oh yeah. Remember when I went to, you know, Disney world or into Hawaii. And nice. so I love them. That's lovely. Well, this has been so interesting and engaging and helpful. So I want all of you listening. You need to get her book on the power of scarcity. She's going to tell you a little bit about it. And I'm sure it's on Amazon and probably mm -hmm. other places. And if you want to reach out to Mindy, she'll tell you um, where you can do that. But, you know, it's, it's good to be not all things to all people at all times. So don't try mm -hmm. to do that. Be scarce. Mm -hmm. And Mindy, so I'll let you uh, tell people where to find your book and uh, if they want to, where to find you. Yes. So my book, you can just type in powerofscarcity.com and that'll take you to a page that has all the different booksellers where you can find it, but you can also buy it at any of the major booksellers. So Amazon has it, Barnes and Noble, um, quite a few. And then as far as where to find me, I'm, I'm on all the socials. And so a huge LinkedIn user. So you can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to interact on there and it's easy. You just type in Mindy Weinstein. And I think my LinkedIn profile is like the first thing that comes up in Google. So awesome. not too difficult. Yes, that is awesome. Yes. An academic who's actually out there, even though <laughs> she's an introvert. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Monique. This has been a lot of fun. It's been inspiring. I feel I'm going to just figure out how to make myself be more scarce and so it can add more perceived value in the world. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode.